Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, we're in business, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. Thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this podcast. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Lisa Solomon with me uh, once a week now, it seems. Cannabis Conversation. Lisa Solomon from the Chicago Reader. Lisa, welcome back. Hey, Ben. Always great to be here with you. And uh, we have a special guest. I'm going to allow you to introduce the special guest. But before we do that, uh, why don't you give some updates? you have any updates you want to give about uh, the state of cannabis in the state of Illinois? Some uh, news in the Sun-Times uh-huh. today. Nearly $110 million in recreational weed sold in Illinois since January. So it's a booming industry. It, it is. And it's interesting because while cannabis was deemed an essential business, the state did not say whether or not they could continue rec sales. The assumption was that it was okay. However, most dispensaries have elected voluntarily to halt rec sales or to limit rec sales to a couple of days a week, shortened hours, so they keep the rec purchasers apart from the medical patients. I still don't like that determining difference, rec versus medical. Most people use it to, you know, self-medicate. We've talked about that plenty of times. You know, it's healthier, most people think, than alcohol if you're looking to relieve stress, relax. But for people with the more serious illnesses that, you know, are more at risk, it's great that the dispensaries are giving them time to, to get in there without the other people. And also, most have put in place the curbside pickup. Again, the state pivoted so quickly to put that in place. So we're all grateful for that. A um, couple other bits before I um, welcome my special guest. Again, we want to thank all the reader supporters that have donated to our donate drive by going to chicagoreader.com slash donate or for buying our collectible coloring book that a lot of area artists contributed to that Chicago Reader book and very appropriate for the cannabis segment. We have a net, another special book coming out on 420. It's going to be a cannabis activity book. I'm going to hold off on sharing the name, but it's going to be a combination of uh, coloring pages, recipes, and activities. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a great group of contributors contributors if you are looking to contribute to that because you're a chef or an artist or have some really fun weed games you can play from the comfort of your home shoot me an email at l solomon at chicagoreader.com that's l s o l o m o n at chicagoreader.com and now we've got an amazing guest on today that can share a lot of very relevant information with us his name is Stephen Goff and Stephen Goff sorry and he is the founder and president of Onsen Labs. I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple years ago at a medical cannabis convention 
where Mara Gordon and Christina Sanchez, some researchers featured in that movie I keep telling you to watch, We the People, presented. So Stephen's a lifelong entrepreneur, and he had a lot of experience in tech-driven heating solutions. So he is here to talk to us about vaping, vaporization, different methods of inhalation, and how during the time of COVID-19, if you need to inhale for your pain relief, stress relief, whatever it is, how to keep yourself as safe as possible in these times. So, Stephen, take it away. How's it going? It's going well, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Good. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, uh, so right off the bat, Lisa sort of set the table with that. Different methods of of vaporization. just the notion of inhaling anything uh, is scary and frightening to people at this moment when, uh, with coronavirus. Talk a little bit about uh, some of the fears that people may have about ingesting any kind of uh, smoke into their lungs, uh, particularly now. Sure, sure. I mean, inhalation isn't scary when we think about it through like a, a vaporizer or a nebulizer, uh, you know, or an inhaler uh, for medical purposes. And that's what people are doing with. Uh, cannabis. So it just comes down to um, what is it that the person really needs and what struggles are they dealing with and uh, what's the best uptake method for them considering their conditions. Uh, I I think I heard earlier in the show you you smoke yourself there, uh, Ben? Well, I was uh, in the 70s as a big uh, user of recreational reefer that's correct uh i stopped in about 1980 or 1981 Stephen, and i can't remember because i was high at the time <laughs> that's a joke i make every time i say it our listeners are probably really sick of it by now um so i am not a user i could go on and on about this uh i'm not a okay, user okay. of the product uh but i am a, a lover of marijuana culture I'm obsessed sure. with it. Uh, I could we could do talk about marijuana movies all day, uh, and um, I was on board for the legalization of marijuana for years and years. I'd be writing columns in the Reader about it because I thought it was utter hip, hip, hypocrisy uh, that so many people use it. And we pretended. I could go on and on in the subject, Steve. It's one of my favorite <laughs> topics. Uh, so we. So I am not a user of it. But people would be like, Ben, you must smoke every day the way you talk about it because I. You know, I talk about it and almost like I'm a champion of using marijuana. But uh, no, I am not currently a user. Although Lisa's always telling me, Ben, you got if you use this kind, it'll it'll be good for you. And we bring on different experts uh, that could that are always making recommendations to me. Anyway, so that's sort of where I come from sure, on sure. this. So you've coughed though. When you use when you smoke before, have you coughed because of it? Yes. Oh my God, I could tell you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Big coffers. Yeah, left lung, right lung, whatever. Uh, and I, I'm actually very glad. Thank you for saying my name right, uh, Lisa. Uh, also, uh, another way to remember my name is no cough golf. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as I manufacture vaporizers. Uh, so, so basically, for the, the listeners who don't know, uh, when we light something on fire, when we combust it, uh, we undergo a process called pyrolysis, where we're using the oxygen in the air to fuel the fire. Uh, and so when we burn cannabis, everything is being denigrated and destroyed at these ultra high temperatures and probably more than half the plant is just wasted, you know, and that's a good, that's a good point when you're inhaling, once you stop inhaling, that smoke trailing away is lost money, right? It's just, it's just trailing away. So vaporization is a lower heat method where we're only applying maybe up to 450 degrees to it. We're just warming it up enough 
to boil off the, uh, the essential cannabinoids and terpenes for inhalation. Uh, so it's a much cleaner experience. Uh, you don't cough uh, unless you, you really crank up the temperature and you, you need like a high cannabinoid like CBN for sleep or something. Uh, then you might turn it on high to try to release that. Uh, but usually you can get uh, the THC out, uh, boils right around 363F. Uh, and you can get that out at a temperature where you're not coughing. So it's really easy. It's smooth. You don't even feel it coming in. A lot of people tell me that first time. Well, there's a lot of fears that people have about just the notion of, of vaping. Uh, address those. Uh, there's so many concerns about, uh, well, I guess it's with cigarettes uh, in particular, but somehow uh, that this is a way you end up getting more of the poisons uh, that you're taking in when it comes to cigarettes. Just talk about the fears that people have about vaping in general. Sure, sure, sure. So vaping is, is a very general topic. Um, people usually distinguish uh, between e-cigarette vaping, where you put the juices inside of a device and you use a cutting agent in order to uh, change the viscosity of the juices so that these juices can be pulled through um, the components, the small holes in these little pen vapes. Um, and so an, an e-cigarette is, is kind of like vaping, we'll say. That's what people normally associate with that. Uh, usually if you're using the whole word, it, the, usually people will usually use it, you know, vaporization to describe the process more if they're using it for cannabis, let's say. Um, but that's not really a hard and fast rule. That's just kind of what I've noticed in talking to people. Um, technically, both definitions are the same. They're both vaporization, which is uh, the heating and boiling of liquids uh, into a gas form for inhalation. Um, so the, the fears with like um, the vaping crisis that, that we had last year that's kind of been uh, died down now that COVID's been happening and taking over uh, the news waves um, has to do, in my research, it's really looking like it's pointing to a chemical called vitamin E acetate. Uh, this chemical is a, a new cutting agent to the black market specifically for cannabis pen vapes um, as it provides benefits to people who are cutting these pen vapes, allows the cannabis to be put in at lower concentrations so they can extend uh, how far their cannabis oil goes. And while that might be good for some people who don't really want a lot of oil in one hit, um, that's certainly not the case because these things don't, this, this cutting agent doesn't seem to be very well tested yet. Uh, and what about other things that could be on the plant? So if you're vaporizing oh, yes. the flower, um, you know, when you buy it at a dispensary, it's been tested. You know, you can look and see it can't make it to market unless it meets really strict guidelines. And Illinois, I think, has the strictest in the country for pesticides, you know, heavy metals, other toxins. So for people who are buying street weed, either because they just figure, I've already got a source if I go to the dispensary or the dispensaries are running short on flour, what do they need to be careful of? What is happening when these chemicals are heated? Uh, that's, that's a really great question. Um, and, and just to kind of highlight the seriousness of that question, uh, in California in particular, it's my understanding that there's a lot of grape fields that are grown around uh, cannabis fields. And one of the pesticides that you use on these grape crops, uh, when heated, turned into cyanide. So if these chemicals are oversprayed or contaminated in some way, I, I, I believe there's a risk there uh, that would add on to it from, from the testing side. Uh, now, in Illinois, 
you know, we know testing because we have state laws for it. Um, and that's great. I think that, you know, testing is good. We should know what's coming out of it. Uh, state regulation is not the only way I understand that could happen. I had thought that I had seen early on uh, a third party accreditation company come about for uh, CBD oil. Uh, you know, labs can test, can test the stuff. They don't, the state doesn't say, you here, you have to do this. And we can request this of a brand to do it if the state's not telling people to do it. Uh, so consumers can call up that company they're buying uh, the CBD oil or the cannabis from, or even the black market. Look, look, guys, I'm not going to buy it from you anymore unless you can show me some lab tests. And they can still do that. Uh, so it can happen more than one way. Uh, but I definitely think that it does need to be tested, uh, especially when we're heating it, because um, we don't really look at the byproducts uh, of using heat in the process. For instance, uh, this vitamin E acetate, this is an additive that's used in foods that's been safe. And uh, it's my understanding, I, I didn't source it perfectly myself, but I saw it in an article that it's actually an, an FDA-approved um, uh, byproduct for food consumption. Uh, and that's fine when it's being ingested through the stomach where your liver breaks down toxins. Uh, but when we're heating it up and we're changing that chemical and it's being deposited directly into the bloodstream, it's a completely different story. Right. You mentioned something where you can get lab testing done. There are independent labs in Illinois. So CBD companies can use them. Cannabis companies might contract with them. But also someone who's growing at home can take yeah. their product there and get it tested. So, so many people eat only organic produce. They only put organic balms on their skin, but yet they're buying weed, having no idea what's on it. So you know what? Start asking your guy or girl you get your stuff from if you're buying it from a place other than a dispensary to get their product tested you want to know what you're putting in your body you could be doing a lot of harm and especially during COVID-19 with the lung sensitivity issue if you are lighting up if you're smoking a joint or using a one hitter something like that you are combusting these chemicals at very high temperatures and from everything that I've seen and heard not a doctor none of us on the show are but we read and we watch things, you know, you're just making your lungs more susceptible to having the bacteria enter your body. So be careful. You know, if you've got someone who's going to medically high and it's a restricted clean environment, you're probably pretty safe. But ask them to get it tested. I think it's pretty cheap. Some people tell me it's a little 50 bucks. So I wouldn't even stop there either. Uh, I've, I had a case where uh, I had a panic attack um, smoking uh, some that I had gotten, and I won't say where, but <laughs> I, the way I stored it, I believe that I had started to grow mold inside of it, or the spores may have been there already when I got it. I don't really know, uh, but one smoke, that gave me a, a really bad anxiety attack. I, I actually took a trip to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. I'd never had an anxiety attack before. Um, and it felt like a, a real big cavity was going down in my chest and it just felt like my heart. So I'm like, all right, call 911. I'm not joking around you. So, uh, that's so, yeah, a really interesting point you make because even if it's clean of all these toxins, mm -hmm. mold grows very easily. So learn how to yep. properly store your weed. I'm not an expert. We'll bring someone on one time who can talk about that, but some people keep it in the freezer because something to keep in mind, Stephen was talking about CBN, how that gets released at a higher temperature. CBN also occurs naturally if you leave your weed sitting out. As it breaks down over yep. time, the concentration of CBN grows. And that is what some people call the sleepy cannabinoid. So 
that is really good for sleep. So keep in mind, you may have weeds. It's like more energizing or happy weeds. But if you find it the back, of your closet or the back of your drawer, you know, months or years later, may make you pretty sleepy. Yeah, and uh, I hadn't heard of freezing. That that makes sense because I understand, uh, you know, the, the microorganisms are slower at that point when they're frozen. But uh, another way I'm aware of is, you know, a lot of people will sit at their coffee table, plop down on the couch, and all these little spores and such from the couch that probably never gets cleaned uh, fluff up into the air and then land into your jar on the coffee table or your device. Uh, it's, it's really a better practice to do it at counter height and in a kitchen where you're constantly keeping it clean. If you can, uh, cover the lid back up on the jar right away. Um, and then another little tip that could help too is I use, uh, two way moisture control packs to maintain the relative humidity of the herb, uh, for an optimal vaporization because water content does help the heat release of these cannabinoids better. Um, however, with, with a, you know, if you just put like an orange peel in there, like used to be a, a saying back in the day, uh, that can put too much moisture in the air. So the two way moisture control packs will suck the moisture back out if it goes more than like a percent over. Uh, so that can help in the storage. Steven, will uh, you talk more about what those are and where you get them? Is it like that little thing you find in a pill bottle? Um, I've seen some cannabis bottles that come with it. Uh, but no, the pill bottles, you're usually talking uh, a decadent packet, something that's absorbing all the moisture in it. Um, these are, are, are moisture packets. So they, they both give off moisture and soak it back up to maintain a, a specific program, um, you know, relative humidity within the jar. Uh, one brand that I know is called Boveda, B-O-V-E-D-A. I like them. It's a brown little pack. There's another brand that's a white pack. I can't think of it right now. Um, but that one is a, a different recipe, I want to say. Um, and I just can't think of the name of that one right now. Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> Steven, you, you mentioned, I just want to uh, finish your story. You were telling, you had a panic attack, you went to the hospital. Finish that story. What, what, what was the, what, what ended up happening? Did they figure out what exactly it brought it on? They didn't figure out what, what brought it on. Uh, they brought me to, you know, took an ambulance ride down to the Mercy and McHenry, and uh, they tested my blood to, to see if I had any of the signs of having a heart attack, and there were no signs. Uh, and so that's when they said, sir, I think you had a panic attack. Um, and, you know, the anxiety is, I'm a small businessman, so a lot of times there's a lot of stress coming at me. Uh, so I think at that point that also complemented uh, the panic attack that you know that, that had happened, and I had just smoked prior to that a new strain that I that I hadn't smoked before from a new supplier, um, and I immediately canned it back up and I said I'm not I'm done with this it's, it's too coincidental. <laughs> Have you ever had that problem before? Have you ever had this is something we've talked about in the show several times, uh, you know, uh, folks sort of i mean i don't know if it's a full-fledged panic attack that they're having uh when they get high but have you ever had that before yeah absolutely you, i think that anybody can, can consume too much thc too much of the psychedelic and have uh, a panic attack i would say it's, it's more what's more likely to happen is you'll have anxiety uh if you do too much but that also depends on what a person is dealing with um 
it's my understanding that those who suffer with complex post-traumatic stress disorder are, are more susceptible to over overdosing with cannabis. So um, you want to try to, you know, use enough that it helps you, but not too much where it's it's flooding your sensory, uh, if, if that's a thing. I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm probably not using the right terminology there, but just speaking from my experience of using too much and, and having anxiety from it. Uh, you know, that, right, that, and that, to that, clarify, when Steve is saying overdosing, he means having a bad reaction, not dying. Oh, yes. not dying. No, I mean like smoking too much. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's not the same for everybody to smoke too much. A lot of people go for that in order to fall asleep. Uh, and they don't get that anxiety from smoking too much. So it's a very individual and specific um, to each user. Um, you know, also another way of using, I'll say, you know, when dabbing or using concentrates kind of first became a thing, um, it was very, very easy to, to overdo it with dabbing. You know, you're taking this extracted oil and, and, and touching it to a hot glass surface, and then it's vaporizing and you're, you're drawing it through a, a bong or a water rig of some sort. And those large concentrations will just put you against the wall. Uh, now, if that's good or bad for you, I don't know. That's an individual question. You know, some people, you know, if, if we were going down the, the long rabbit hole of addiction, for example, uh, if you get into the study around uh, the Rat Park experiments, for example, uh, addiction being something more drawn on by environment rather than a chemical force per se, um, you know, if, if you live in an environment that's causing addictive behaviors, you want psychological escape from that. That's why I've used cannabis in the past um, is because I was in a really stressful situation that I, I just wanted to alter my perception. Of. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people do that in different ways. Some people smoke cigarettes. Uh, some people drink alcohol. Uh, some people go for a bike ride, which is probably the healthiest way to do it, which I, I try to do that the most often now. Uh, I put about a thousand miles on my bike last year. <laughs> So for people who are home now during COVID-19, they're pretty much staying in their apartments, their homes, and they've got their weed. If they don't have this like desktop vaporizer, like you just came out with, which is one of the safest methods if you're going to inhale to use, what can they do? If they've got a bong, will putting ice in the chamber help? Is there anything they can do to minimize their risk? Or if they're putting that heat in their lungs, if they have like a little vaporizer that they use when someone's sick. Any thoughts on that? Um, so the type of vaporizer you use also is going to have all of its own risks. Uh, for example, a lot of those pen vapes will use a metal filament that heats up red hot and then it's drawn through with uh, the oils over it. And so what's happening is this metal is being heated up and it's, it's outgassing and releasing uh, byproducts of the metal at those temperatures. Uh, and so a lot of times people will take a hit off of one of those bait pens and they'll say immediately, cannabis isn't for me. And that is, that is, it's wrong. You can't say that. That's, that, we could say that that device, cannabis through that bait pen device is not for you. But each and every cannabis vaporizer has its own unique thermal signature based on how the engineers develop that vaporizer. Uh, whether or not you're getting a lot of heat right away, how much you can put into it. Uh, the mediums that carry um, the, the, the cannabinoids through. In other words, are they using a cutting agent? How much of a cutting agent? Uh, the, the thermodynamic equations are so extensively complex that it's just modern science does, does not support, you know, the, 
the factoring and the computations behind that. Um, so what can they do at home? Um, I know people say that, you know, putting it through water helps to smooth it out. Uh, it can lower the temperature. Definitely not going through like a pipe instead of instead putting it through water would help cool down the vapor. Um, so that's definitely good for that. Um, really what you want to do is lower the temperature of what you're doing there. So if you must smoke, uh, it's my understanding that there's a hemp wick product out there uh, that burns at a lower temperature than like a lighter does with butane gas in it. So that might help a little bit, but it's still combustion going on. It's still pyrolysis. Um, you're still destroying most of the compounds, and that's why it hurts to choke it down. Uh, and if you bring it back to a, a temperature which is controllable, uh, you can you can really dial it in and make it easy where you don't even feel it. You don't cough at all. Yeah, even the leaders from normal have been broadcasting pretty broadly. Don't smoke unless you absolutely have to. Try tinctures, edibles. You know, if you've got your weed at home, there are so many ways to go online and find how to make oils and butters that you can put in your food. There are free calculators online to calculate the dosage. So if you can avoid inhaling yeah. during COVID-19, please try to avoid it. So, yeah, and that's, and I'll speak on that because that's really important. Um, you know, I would say the same thing with vaporization because vaporization is still not even perfect. Uh, there are still carcinogens uh, in vapor, in, in the vapor, in the low temperature heating and vaporization. So if you don't have to vaporize, don't. And you might think that's shocking to hear from me considering what I do, but um, the reason why people will still inhale is because there is a very fast, rapid onset time from inhaling. And some people really need that. You know, uh, my sister, uh, uh, one of my sisters has struggles with uh, Crohn's disease, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And when these attacks come on for her, it's instant gut pain. And she needs relief right away. And, you know, eating it takes an hour and a half. Even sublingual can be an hour. Uh, you know, and then your liver is breaking down. It's my understanding up to 30% of, of the active compounds when you inhale it, or not inhale it, but when you eat it. Uh, whereas when you vaporize it, it's just being deposited directly into the bloodstreams. So it's an instant onset. Uh, so, But if you don't have to do that and you can eat it and, and you can be a, effective with that, I would still say that's the better solution at this point. Uh, Stephen, yeah, and for most people, tinctures are faster Stephen, because we... they go straight into the bloodstream. But that is holding the tincture under your tongue or inside your cheek for at least 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. If you swallow the tincture, it's pretty much like having an edible. Okay. Stephen, we have a question from one of our listeners who's following us uh, on the stream, and it is a question from Alan. Uh, he says, are the early cases of death related to vaping, could they be uh, related to uh, COVID-19? Are early cases of death related to vaping, could, could they have been COVID-19 related? I have no idea. That's a great question, though. I, I think that's definitely worth investigating, but I, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I haven't been keeping up with on, on the science behind COVID, uh, the molecular science or whatnot, um, I don't know. But uh, that, that does actually remind me, though, you know, vitamin E acetate seems to be the big thing, just jumping back to the, the, the cutting agents and the pens. Uh, but also another concern uh, that's crossed my desk is in some of these really cheap vape pens, you know, the ones that come offshore where they don't qualify the materials, uh, they're just copying people and, and putting a product out there type of thing. 
they'll use uh, a solder because they can't weld some of these components together because they're really tiny components. Mm-hmm. So they'll use a metal, metal solder in order to join these components. And sometimes that solder is inside the, um, the area that is being heated or you're, you're sucking through. Well, these solders, depending on what they use, can have uh, a chemical called cadmium oxide in it. Uh, and that cadmium oxide can show long-term uh, damage for the lungs, too. So it is really important to, to, to buy a high-quality vaporizer and something that uh, boasts inert chemical pro- or inert material properties. Uh, in other words, the materials are materials that aren't going to have reactions when you heat them up, at least within the environment of the vaporizer's design. You know, I mean, even ceramic and glass can release byproducts if you heat it up over I think like 3,000 degrees of or something like that. Uh, so it's really a design spec. You want to make sure that the, the manufacturer seems like they've designed a product according to the proper materials uh, within the hot zone. The hot zone is really key. You know, outside the hot zone, these materials are all around us in our home. It's, it's not really a big issue. We're exposed to them. But inside the hot zone where temperatures are getting hot. What do you mean by the hot zone? Be- what did you mean? You cut out there. I said, what did, when you said hot zone, what did you mean by the hot zone? Oh, sure, sure. So uh, on my vaporizer, on the Desktop Pro, we have uh, a heat, what we call a heater cover. It's a, a piece of glass that surrounds the ceramic element. Uh, that area, the glass heater cover is getting 350 to 400 degrees F. The element's getting up to 1400 degrees F. Uh, and then once you start drawing through, the intake hole on that and then the hot air passes over the wand which is again made out of borosilicate glass and then we use uh, on one of our wands a titanium screen uh, which is a, a very stable oxide uh, at the temperatures that we're heating um, so that be the hot zone where the temperatures are getting above what you would normally see and I would say on a limit like if you get into a hot car on a sunny summer day you know that smell that's in the car? Yeah. That's the off-gassing. That's the byproduct release of, of the plastics in your vehicles being heated up. So if you imagine that going on in your vaporizer, but to a much hotter temperature, uh, that being that's where you want to be concerned with inside the hot zone. I see. Very good. All right, Stephen, thank you very much. Uh, we're almost out of time here. Lisa, before I let you go, I just have to say, uh, nearly 110 million in recreational weed sold in Illinois since January. That's the headline in this Chicago Sun Times story. Uh, a quote from uh, Toy Hutchinson: Three straight months. Uh, Toy Hutchinson being this, well, we called her the cannabis czar, but uh, her, I guess her title is senior advisor for cannabis control. Uh, three straight months of consistent adult use cannabis sales shows there is and will continue to be strong support and demand from consumers. Uh, Lisa and Stephen, actually, are these numbers surprising you? Um, the strong sales for the first three months? I'm, I'm not surprised. I think there's been a demand for it. So many people are regular cannabis users, and it's great that people can now go get products that have been tested, and I'm excited to see what happens when the craft growers and craft producers get their licenses because we have a lot of people who've been in this business for many, many years that now have the opportunity to get a license and sell it more publicly. And along with that, there will be testing required, which I always like. I think every product should be tested since there's a risk of contamination of some pretty dangerous chemicals. Yeah, no, those numbers don't surprise me too much. Honestly, I think they're probably still really low. 
and, and not on the fact that the number I know the numbers or anything, but just talking to the people I talk to, the black market doesn't seem to be affected that much. Uh, so as long as that is still going on, you know, until it's really easy for people just to go out to a store and pick up a bag, that black market, I don't think is going to be affected, you know, and that's where I think we'll see the highest numbers is once we kind of finally shut down the black market and it's all legit. You know, I saw a story on the news the other day. I'll be quick, Ben, because I know we need to wrap. But they, the police were talking about increasing the police presence around the perimeter of certain neighborhoods in Chicago where they know a lot of street drugs are sold because they're trying to keep down, you know, the transmission of COVID-19. So, Not going to do it. Not going to do it. I don't know what's actually happening. That's what they said. The channels of people I know that come through aren't coming through the south side of Chicago. I'm sorry. Well, there's so, <laughs> there's so many pressing concerns that we have now as a society uh, dealing with COVID-19 that busting a dealer, I don't know where that would even fall in the top 20. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I have a <laughs> hard time. People need their weed while they're home on lockdown. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. mean, I, I understand why eventually it's probably better uh, to move from the black market to you know the controlled uh, sale of it obviously just from what lisa was saying you're you're more certain that it's uh, the product that the product isn't as as dangerous to the user so i think that would probably be the number one and then there's the number two the state needs the money the proceeds the of the taxes etc and so forth so i understand that need but good lord i don't know you know Stephen, part of the reason I was on my crusade for all these years to legalize marijuana, I just thought it was ridiculous that people were getting locked up, particularly black yeah. people were getting locked up. Uh, Absolutely. You know, so just to go back to those days now that it's legal just seems beside the point. No, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, actually going back to uh, the thought that, you know, the legal dispensaries are safer. Um, I had heard, I, I want to say it was a... Um, Oh, what's that music artist? Mind, brain fart here. Uh, there was a music artist that traveled. Willie Nelson. There we go. Uh, he was saying that because of all the concerts he traveled to around the country, he's always able to connect with local black market suppliers. And he says that the quality is better because these are artists and craft growers, basically. Yeah. And they're paying attention to what they do, whereas something that happens at a dispensary can affect a whole crop. You know, and if hopefully they catch it right away, you know, of course, that's what we're, the testing is all about. So uh, generally, I would say that it is probably still safer um, from a dispensary, but it doesn't sound like that's a, a mutually or a, an exclusive claim yeah. out there. Other thoughts to consider. So, well, we, uh, Lisa, we probably should do a, a whole show on testing because I, your typical uh, broke uh, reefer smoker or cannabis consumer, uh, is spending all his or her money to buy the product probably doesn't have a lot of money left over to get it tested. You follow what I'm saying? Uh, so that'd probably be a whole show on testing uh, is, is necessary because I cannot see, I'm thinking of a few marijuana or cannabis users that I know. I'm not mentioning any names uh, pretty much are pushing their budgets to the limit just to buy the stuff. And the notion that they would then go out and test the stuff I'm not seeing that happening anytime right, soon. Right, right. Oh, it would be the the craft grower that would be getting it tested. So I'll also bring someone on who sets up 
Craft Grows and Home Grows, who uses all natural products that are deemed to be much safer than a lot. You know, you go out to, you know, your neighborhood hardware store and buy the stuff that you're, you know, fertilizer you're throwing on your grass. That stuff is not good for this kind of grass. Yeah. And you're going to be smoking it. Steven, yeah. uh, would you like to give out some information? Folks want to get in touch with you, learn more about your company. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, we pronounce it Onsen Labs. Uh, and Onsen is actually like a, a natural hot spring. Uh, but O-N-S-E-N Labs. Uh, we just launched our product called the Desktop Pro Vaporizer. And you can check that out at OnsenLabs.com. O-N-S-E-N-L-A-B-S.com. All right, very good. And Lisa, any closing thoughts you want to leave us with? Um, just to continue supporting the reader, ChicagoReader.com backslash donate or chicagoreader.com backslash coloring book. And next week, I will have a lot more information to share about the Cannabis Activity Book. If you have something you want to submit, reach out to me at L-S-O-L-O-M-O-N at chicagoreader.com, L-Solomon at chicagoreader.com. It's going to be a fun book. All right. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank, thank you so you. much, guys, for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Stephen and Lisa. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Ben. And uh, yeah, closes another Cannabis Conversation, another week of programming. Here we are. Thanks from... for not mentioning my name there, by the way. <laughs> what, when I was talking about the broadcast. Yeah. The reefer Smoker. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm not going to mention any names, but yeah. uh, I appreciate just saying, that. Appreciate that. And Dennis going to, uh, yeah, I have no money, but would you test this weed? No. <laughs> I spent all of my money on this weed, but uh, <laughs> get the weed tested. But you know, that's a whole show. We should do it. I, I, I think that's a good idea. Do a show on testing weed. Uh, but, uh, what, what made you think I was thinking of you? You know, well, I was thinking of me. I know a lot of broke ass weed smokers. Anyway, cannabis tea. Cannabis. We're supposed to call it cannabis, right? Let's get it straight. Anyway, Lisa Solomon, uh, thank you very much. And it's been a uh, a really good week for us on the Ben Jarofsky show. We're figuring despite, it out. Yeah, we're figuring it out. Uh, we are figuring it out. <laughs> and the stress and strain of these phone calls, uh, I feel as though we've worked our way through it. I think mm -hmm. I may have said this on air. I can't remember. If, uh, but, uh, you know, that first week we were doing these shows and we were having these uh, connections. And I really missed the studio. I didn't like that sound, that great sound quality we had yeah. in the studio. Yeah. And, uh you know, I just like, oh, man, after every show, I'd be like, D, man. That was me, too. It doesn't sound right. And then, you know, I had a breakthrough. We started with Colbert and Trevor Noah and, you know, uh, The View. <laughs> the View, good guy. And they were having the same sound issues. We were, I'm like, all right. there. And uh, and then many of our um, listeners uh, would tell me and, and our guests, Ben, we're all in it together. We all understand where we're at right now. And a day will come back when... When you you and D will go back to the studio and it'll be you'll be in the confines. Uh, back by the bathrooms of the Chicago <laughs> Sun Times in the emergency <laughs> exit. I can't wait. I can't wait. Never miss the bathroom so much. Uh, so anyway, those and so far, my favorite thing, by the way, since we've been doing this, is uh my is the Bindrowski riffs on Zoom. <laughs> Those are great. Man, come on, Dr. Howard Irwin. You know I love you, Doc, but you love Zoom a little too much. Ben, we have a Zoom thing going. People fall in love with their technology. You know, come on. I remember that for Google uh, Gmail. Oh, ben, Gmail. 
And what do so, you have stock in the company? So far, the thing that sounded the best for us, as far as quality, is uh, the Facebook uh, Messenger app. So that's what we're using. And, uh, and then we come across people who are like, uh, "I don't want to uh, use Facebook." Do you have you heard of Zoom? <laughs> Zoom. Like what? Zoom. I'm trying to like bury our guests or anything, but it's just funny. Zoom. What do you got? Stock in Zoom or something? You love Zoom so much. Zippity hey, Zoom Zoom. Uh, we want to remind everybody. Also, yes. uh, this weekend we have some Benny. Bonus interviews lined up, all right? Like we always do. Friday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Bonus interviews exclusively for download at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. We got Mick Dumkey on deck this weekend for a Benny J bonus interview. Uh, ben and Mick talk Bob <laughs> Dylan. Bobby D. Uh, Bob Dylan came out, uh, Murder Most Foul. Dylan fans know what I'm talking about. Non-Dylan fans are like, oh, God, Me. Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I know the world's split on this subject. Not a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there don't like Bob Dylan. Uh, many, uh, maybe uh, the millennial persuasion. Uh, but uh, Mick Dumkey loves Bob Dylan. He came out with this. Uh, it's not even a song. It's, it's, it's like a poem with music in the background. I, I would say that um, millennials and uh, folks in the city uh, love Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's a very popular uh, guy up here. So I think, you know, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy well, it. Well, this is, yeah, and it's a deep dive. And it, it, the this, the poem song is about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And Mick and I uh, are obsessive, fanatic, we're fanatics on the, the issue of, was there, you know, who killed Kennedy and uh, the political fallout. So we get into the p politics of it. We get into the music of it. It's a great conversation between two Dylan geeks. And that's dropping on Monday, isn't it, Ah, uh, Sure. Okay. I think we still got to have a meeting about that okay. one on which ones are dropping. Uh, in fact, I'm trying to look and see uh, which other ones that uh, we recorded yeah, Miles, here. Miles, uh, Yes, so he's typically a Thursday guest. Uh, where we talk progressive politics and all things Bernie Sanders. And for a while there, we were talking about chicken sandwiches. That went away. <laughs> a little bummed out about that. But it's always a great time talking with In These Times writer Miles Camp-Lassen. And uh, we're trying to switch it up here a little bit, figuring things out. And so we added him. Uh, we recorded the interview yesterday, and we talked all things Bernie Sanders in The View and more yeah. with uh, Miles. Isn't that right, Ben? Yeah, and yeah, Miles, uh, a lot of interesting things to say about the notion from the Biden camp, the Biden bros, that Bernie should just go away. Disappear, Bernie. Leave the scene. Pretend wasn't even here. So we can go back to ignoring all the issues that you raised. Uh, Miles shares my view that this is not maybe a good idea and talks about the contributions uh, that Bernie can make and pleads. Well, not pleads. He doesn't plead. But I'm pleading. Joe Biden, if you want to be the nominee, you got to take serious the notion that we are a country without health care for many, many people. So this, this dismissal, this dismissal offhand of Medicare for all because you're worried about what some focus group said about swing voters in suburban Virginia or Wisconsin or Michigan. Come on, think about the needs that the people are facing right now with, uh, in this current pandemic. People need health care. So Miles and I, we take the deep dive on that one. Uh, and then, do you know who the... F oh, wait, hold. Joe Biden wants to weigh in here. Play the radio. Make sure the television... <laughs> the, excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make, make sure, sure the, the kids, kids hear, hear words. words. Uh, come on, Biden bros. <laughs> you can't. 
That's your guy. All right. You love him. And Joe very, Biden. very similar to what we did with Miles, uh, our, our typical Friday interview, the Romana Rundown with sometimes editor Romana Hussein. Actually, at about 4 p.m., we're going to be recording uh, an interview with her as well. And that will be uh, this weekend's drop as well. Let's just have a meeting right now and uh, discuss how we're going to do this. Mick Dumpke on Monday? Yes. Romana on Sunday? Yes. And Miles on Saturday. That is correct. Boom. There you go. That's how we do things here on the Ben Jarowski <laughs> Show. All right. Uh, Boom. Yes. We just had a meeting we live on the air. Live in the air. So once again, Saturday, Miles Kemp Lassen from In These Times. Sunday, Ramana Hussein, the Ramana Rundown. And Monday, Mick Dumkey, investigative journalist who loves Bob Dylan. <laughs> They're talking about that Bob Dylan poem. So what's up? And then Tuesday, we're right back in the studio. And I think Troy Larivier will be our guest. So uh, not cow. in the studio. In my attic. I said uh, studio. Well, we're going to find out if Troy LaRavier is a Zoomer <laughs> in the next we'll few find days. Out, yeah. Uh, so anyway, all right. Uh, it's been a great week. Uh, and we're really figuring things out in the attic. And I want to thank all our guests. And of course, couldn't have done it without the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Not only does he handle that control board, folks, but he has to call the guests. And not freak out when he does it. He's doing a great job. Eh, so-so. And every now and again, I'll freak out. You know what they call him back home at all, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, yeah. They call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Yes, even in a pandemic. (laughs) They call me White Lightning. (laughs) 